Welcome to the Business End of the Leash, the podcast where I get real about how dog trainers, just like you, can level up your business in a way that's sustainable, scalable, and stops your business running you. I'm your host, Erin Moore, and I'm a dog business strategist who helps dog trainers niche down and level up their services, client results, income, and free time. Welcome to today's episode of The Business End of the Leash. I am so excited to be talking to you about niche today. So this is one that trainers kind of know is important, but also kind of don't know really how to figure it out. And it can be really confusing. So I want to clear some things up for you. So in my experience, most trainers tend to just work with everybody who has a dog and comes along and says, hey, I need your help. And there are reasons for that, as everything, you know, our behavior has reasons. Some of those reasons are maybe we need boundaries to be able to say no. We just, we don't understand how to set and hold boundaries and we feel uncomfortable doing so. And so we're not able to do so. The biggest one that I find though is, but I want to help the dog, right? Okay. So this person's a bit of a jackass, but if I don't help them, then the dog's not going to get help. We're going to dig into why that's problematic a little bit in this episode. A lot of people believe that there aren't enough of their niche clients for them to be able to work with. And I'm going to dig into this one, too, because that's not even close to true. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple of perspective shifts around that. Another one is, like I was saying, trainers sometimes just generally don't understand what niche means. And they're like, yeah, my niche is reactivity or my niche is aggression or my niche is, you know, I work with only committed people or a niche is one of the things that we really need to be spending a lot of our time figuring out. Niche is one of those things that takes a lot more time and effort than just, oh, these are the things that I like to work on to figure out. And I'm going to give you some more details about this in this uh, episode as well. Fear is a big one that stops people from uh, niching down. Fear that, well, if I niche down, then there's not going to be enough clients. There's not going to be enough money. Maybe there's a fear of conflict of having to say no. A lot of trainers just don't know how to say no to someone who's not their niche because they don't want to be ending up in conflict. They don't want to be seen as rude. They, so they just end up saying yes instead of no. So that can tie back in with the boundary one. So I want to make it really, really clear that Working with someone and helping someone are not the same thing. And just because someone has paid you money and you are working with them doesn't mean that you're helping them. And I'm not showing throw and shade, but it's very, very important to recognize that, that helping someone doesn't always come from working with someone. Because you can only help people who are already open to being helped. And so here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, yeah, but they're reaching out to me. So if they're reaching out to me and they're telling me that they need help, then they need help, right? And then they're open to help, right? Well, no, that's not necessarily true. Just because someone is contacting you doesn't really mean that they want help. And just because they're paying you also doesn't mean that they want help. A lot of people are paying you because they want a quick fix. Or they want you to wave a magic wand or throw some fairy dust and fix things. Or they want the dog to just straighten up and fly right and fix things. None of those things is wanting help. So it's really easy to get drawn into the, oh, the person 
has reached out to me, therefore they will do the work. They want my help and they'll do the work. Or they've paid me. They're willing to pay me. Therefore, they want my help. You need to get really, really clear about what people actually want before working with them. Because in a lot of cases, like I was talking about, they want a quick fix. They want you to fix it or they want the dog to just fix it. They don't actually want help. They just want it fixed. Those are two very different things. You can't change someone's ethics about something or change someone's mind about something unless they are looking for and open to that being changed. So people whose ethics don't align with yours and reach out to you for help and come on board with you and aren't already open to shifting those ethics or already questioning things about those ethics, you are going to be hitting your head against a brick wall because you never change someone's mind about something. They change their mind about it. They have access to information and they then go away and do the work to change their mind about it. It's really, really important to recognize this. Hey, if you're enjoying the show and getting fired up about how you can implement some of these changes to level up your business, make sure to book your spot to have a chat with me about how I can help you do just that. You can book through my website at dogbizcoach.com. Okay, back to the show. Because working with non-niche clients because we want to help or we want to try and change their mind or we want to try and change their ethics or the dog needs help, it has a lot of shitty impact. It has a lot of negative side effects. So things like creating non-compliant clients. Are you starting to see if you're listening to a few of these episodes consecutively, are you starting to see how much of non-compliant clients actually stems from the business staff not being set up properly? So it can contribute to non-compliant clients. It actually makes things worse for the dog too. So if you're working with someone who isn't in alignment with your ethics, who isn't looking, actually looking for help, but is looking for a quick fix, or who isn't going to do the things that you tell them to do and isn't going to get any change, Taking their money, working with them, not getting the change, ends up with a person who walks away from the training going, well, that trainer didn't know what she was doing, and that methodology doesn't work, and I'm going to go find someone who can actually fix my problem. And so they're more likely to go and find someone who's going to do the opposite of what you're doing because now they're frustrated that they've expended this money and time and not gotten a result. It makes it so much worse for the dog, too, because in a lot of cases, that frustration that people feel gets directed at the dog and or directed at you as the trainer. It also impacts imposter syndrome. Again, do you see how much of imposter syndrome is actually fed by our business side of things not being set up properly? So it feeds imposter syndrome. It makes you less accessible to clients because it fucks with your confidence. If you're working with a bunch of clients that you shouldn't be working with and you're seeing a bunch of people not getting results, one of three things is going to happen. There's going to be a defensiveness of all these fucking non-compliant clients or you're going to turn it internally and go, well, I'm just shitty. I shouldn't be doing this. I can't even get results. Who the fuck am I? The voice in my head was right. I should just go 
work at Starbucks, all of that. Or if you're my favorite kind of person, you're going to look at it, you're going to go, what's the fucking problem here? And how do I fix it? Like, okay, something is off. Something needs to change. Let me go get the info to change it. Right. Those are one of three things. If you're in that middle group and you're listening, I can help you. And I'm looking forward to talking to you. And also you are in the rare group because most people end up in the fucking clients or fuck I'm a shit trainer. Like those those are the extremes they go to. So working with our non-niche clients ends up lowering the value of what you have to offer because you're not showing up with the confidence and security in yourself that you know what you're fucking doing. And that ends up with you helping less people and helping less dogs and contributes to burnout. Now, when you learn how to identify who your niche is and then where to find them, you end up getting better results for all clients that you're working with because now you're working only with the clients who are doing their work, absorbing the information, getting the results. Your confidence is increasing. You have more mental time and energy so that the clients that you are working with are getting a better version of you and neither you nor your clients are falling victim to that imposter syndrome and low confidence that comes from working with a bunch of fucking people who don't get results because you shouldn't have fucking worked with them in the first place. So also working with niche clients allows you to make more money. It allows you to help more people and more dogs. It makes you a better trainer. When you are working with your ideal clients, everything's not going to be perfect, right? Niche clients doesn't mean everything is fucking perfect and you never have to do any problem solving. But the problem solving that you have to do is problem solving a problem that is actually solvable. When you're working with niche clients, whatever the problem is that comes up, it's fucking solvable. It takes some brain work. It takes some communication. It takes some creativity, but it's solvable. When you're working with someone who's not your ideal client, there's no way that you can solve that problem because the, unless you're firing them because the problem is you shouldn't fucking be working together. So it makes you a better trainer because it allows you to focus on the problem solving for things that are solvable. It raises the value of what you do and it raises the value of the industry as a whole because you have less clients walking away from an interaction or working with a trainer going, well, that didn't fucking work. And this methodology doesn't fucking work. I'm going to go find someone who can help me immediately. And oh, yeah, that's another R plus trainer. Yeah, this last trainer I worked with said she was R plus two. I didn't work for shit. So no, I'm not doing that. I'm not working with another R plus trainer. They don't know what they're fucking doing. Niching is so much more important than just people who want to do the work, right? There's so much more to it. When my clients get into the niche modules and digging into like their avatars and figuring out who their niche clients are, it's a lot of digging in. And the thing that I hear consistently is, oh, wow, there's so much more to this than I thought there was. Because there's all kinds of things involved, like what kind of people they are, who are they at their core, what are their core beliefs, how do they ask for help, what are their attachment styles, Uh, how do they react to being challenged, how do they react when they get stuck, do they shut down, do they reach out, are both or all people in the family niche too? Because if you've got one member of the family who's niche and the rest of them are not, is that going to work? What do your potential clients believe about your gender and what that has to do with your ability to help. Because if they believe it has anything to do with your ability to help, do not fucking work with them. You shouldn't be working with them. It's also really important to look at some other things that fall into niche category too. Like, do they have the capacity 
to do the work that's needed to be done. Some people just don't. No shade. There's no judgment in any of this. Some people just do not have the capacity to do the work that's needed in the dog training. Sometimes it's not a good fit and that dog needs to be in a different home. Sometimes it's the capacity is just not now for dog training. A really important one that I want you really paying attention to, does your client need dog training or do they need therapy? Because a lot of people are going to come for dog training when what they really need is therapy. So what you want to start looking for, I mean, I'm not going to be able to give you how to find your niche in one podcast episode, but I'm going to give you a couple of tips. One is to start looking for the three C's in your clients. So are they committed to the process? So what does that look like? What does committed look like? Well, do they understand that it's going to take time, right? And you don't have to scare the shit out of them while you're having the conversation and be like, this is going to take so much time and going to be so fucking hard. And like, you don't need to do that. But are they committed to, yeah, I get this is an ongoing process and I get that it's going to take some time and I get that I'm going to need to make some changes and I get that it's not always going to work well and it's going to be uncomfortable and I get that it's a process. That's what I mean by committed. And are you getting actual buy-in from them? And by buy-in, I mean, are they actually saying, yes, I understand that in their own words? Not you saying, do you understand it's going to take time? And them saying, yes. Like them actually saying to you, I get that it's going to take time. I get that it's going to be a process. I get that I'm going to have to learn and get uncomfortable. Like that is, that is the level of commitment that you're looking for. Are they capable, second C, are they capable of doing the work that's necessary? Do they have the physical capabilities to do the work, to make the change? And then the third three C's is, do they have the capacity? What I'm going to give you is six things to figure out about potential clients as you're talking to them and trying to decide if they should be a client of yours. So you want to look for what are three absolute deal breakers for you? Now, these are going to be different for everybody right? Some people are going to have more flexibility and capacity for stuff than others. So what are your three deal breakers that mean that you will just not work with a client? So mine, for example, any kind of bigotry. If they're racist, if they're homophobic, if they're misogynistic, I'm not interested. I, I No, you don't get access to me. So that's an example of one of my deal breakers. So what are the three deal breakers for you where you just will not work with this person. Doesn't matter how much money they're willing to pay you. And then look at what are the three must-haves. So what are the three things that are absolutely necessary in order for a person to be able to get success with you, okay? Um, so again, for me as a coach, one of those things is to be coachable. Someone who isn't just yes, yesing and going off and doing everything without any real understanding of it, but also not someone who is arguing back about how they can't do all the things that I'm telling them to do, right? Somebody who's like, okay, help me understand why. Okay, cool. How do I implement this into my life? Okay, cool. I'm hitting a, a roadblock here and I really need some help with some mindset shifting. Like that is a must have for me. Someone who is just going to sit and tell me I can't all the time. We're not going to be a good fit. We're not going to work together. So what are three deal breakers and what are three must-haves. Then sit down and write out what questions do you need to ask people in order to get the answer to those. 
Now, it doesn't always have to be a flat out direct question about what you're asking. And in fact, sometimes it doesn't serve us to ask that flat out question. So for example, if I were to say to someone, so tell me, are you a racist? Nobody's going to say, well, yes, yes, I am. Like everybody's going to say, no, no, I'm not. And so for me, there are other questions that I ask that give me a good idea about whether, you know, these criteria are being met. So what questions can you think of that will help you get the answer to your three deal breakers and your three must-haves? One of the ones that I used to ask my dog training clients all the time was, if I were to ask you to put into percentages How much of getting a change in this behavior do you feel is your responsibility? How much do you feel is your dog's responsibility? And how much do you feel is my responsibility as the trainer? That was a question that really got me some good insight into where people were coming from and whether they were in the headspace of, yeah, you're my niche client or not. Um, After that question, too, I would always ask, and what if I told you that it's 100% on you? And then I would see what their response to that was. Now, there's a whole range of responses that are going to give you the information within that. So try to find the gray area rather than being in the black or the whiteness of it. But what are some questions that you can ask that will give you the answers to whether this person meets your criteria to work with you? And if you want some help and some coaching and some brainstorming around this, if you're in my free Facebook group, just Bring your questions there. I'll give you some feedback on that. If you're not in the Facebook group, go find it in the show notes. Uh, Join the Facebook group and ask for some feedback there. And I'll give you some coaching feedback around some good questions to ask to get the answers for what you are looking for. So I want to shift your perspective a little bit around the entire point of the interaction between you and a potential client when they come on board. Most trainers treat that as an interview process where they are being interviewed. And they feel like they need to provide all of this information for the potential client. And the only info they want in return is info about the dog's behavior. There's very little info being gathered about the human and whether they are a good fit to work with you or not. And I get it. It's so hard to turn down the dog. It's so hard when you have this dog who needs this help and you're like, oh, my God, I could help you if you just were my dog or I could just work with you, I could help you. But it's really, really important to recognize that you're not helping the dog if you're not helping the person. And if you can't help the person, you are not going to get results for the dog and you're very likely going to contribute to making it worse for the dog too, like we already talked about. And part of that shitty coming to terms with that is the shitty coming to terms with the fact that you're not going to be able to help everybody. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you want to, no matter how despondent you feel because you can't, it doesn't change the reality that you cannot help everybody who comes across your path. And when you try to, It has all of the negative impacts that we talked about earlier, but it also means that you are spending all of this time, all of this mental and emotional energy, all of these hours with clients who aren't going to get the results or aren't going to do the work. And what that ends up doing is it means that you do not have those hours available for your absolute 
ideal clients who will do everything you say and who are just looking for you to be able to help them. But you don't either a ever connect with them because you're busy with the clients who you shouldn't be working with, or they do reach out and you're like, I'm so sorry, I, I'm, you know, I got a wait list. And they go somewhere else because you're busy working with and you got a wait list full of people who aren't your ideal clients. You are not for everyone. Neither should you be. And the more you try to make yourself for everyone and help everyone, the less relevant you make yourself. So when we niche down, when we get really real and authentic in our businesses, we attract our niches, right? We attract the people who are like, oh my God, you are the best thing since sliced bread. We also repel the people who are not our niche. So that's really important, being authentic and showing up as ourselves. Here's the thing. When you are niching down and you know who you're talking to and you know how you can present information in a way that resonates with them and you know that you can just show up as yourself because your people are going to resonate so much with that, it is game-changing in your business. Now, we'll say, you know, it's so funny. My swearing... If you've been listening to my podcast or following me on social media at all, you know that I swear. And it's, it inadvertently became a part of my brand. It wasn't something I was attempting to do. But because I had spent so many years uh, hiding behind my professional armor, trying to keep everybody happy, turning myself into a fucking pretzel for everybody who came across my path, whether in my personal life or my business life, and I burnt out because of it. When I came back, it was with a really clear understanding that I needed to do things differently. And one of the things that I knew I needed to do differently was to not try to be for everybody and to just be myself and allow the people who weren't going to want to work with me and weren't going to like me for it to just go on and find their person. And that meant that when I was doing my trainings and my webinars and my, my lives and my podcast now... I swear, because I swear a lot in, in my everyday life. And it's interesting, like 75 to 80% of my clients tell me that my swearing is the thing that they resonated with because it was like, holy shit, you're a real human being and I can relate to you as a person. Wow, you can actually really help me. Rather than, oh my gosh, you're up there on that pedestal and you're like shiny white wicker room and I feel kind of intimidated. And so by being myself, I resonated with the people who really needed to hear what I had to say. And they reached out to me and they're now my clients and getting the help with what they need help with. And there are lots of little things. So the swearing is one example. I'm very direct. And some people absolutely love that. And it makes things way fucking easier than trying to guess what I'm thinking or saying. A lot of people, because we're so conditioned to not be direct, find that rude. And that's okay. They're just not my people. I have a really warped, dark sense of humor. It started as a coping mechanism for trauma and turned into something that I love about myself. Some people can't handle that. They don't like it. They find it offensive. Fantastic. They're not my people. For my people, my swearing, my directness, my warped sense of humor are some of their favorite things about me. So... If you're absolutely loving this and you're like, oh my God, yeah, I fucking love the swearing and the directness and, and, and the warped sense of humor, then you're my people and I want to talk to you. If you're not, take it as uh, a lesson that not everybody is for everybody and it's okay. 
I don't need you to like me. I don't need you to work with me. I don't need you to, to like everything about me. My people do. And your people are going to be the same. So niching down also allows you the freedom to start showing up as you in your business. So it doesn't have to be swearing. If you don't swear, cool, don't swear. But that allows you to be more you, which means you're getting a better connection with your clients because you're actually connecting on a deep human level with them, which means you're actually getting better dog training results. Because remember, people don't hire you because of the dog's behavior. They hire you because of how their dog's behavior is making them feel. And when you can connect with them on that emotional level, on that human level, and they're actually opening up to you because they trust you and they are sharing what the real problem is, that's where you're getting results because it's not just about the dog's behavior. So if the reason that you aren't comfortable niching down is because you need help with boundaries, then getting a coach and getting a therapist are going to be one of the best ways that you can get that help with setting boundaries and learn how to set those boundaries in your business. If you want to help the dog and so you're saying yes to all the people, I really want you to remember, put up on your wall if you need to, remind yourself that you're not able to help the dog if you're not able to help the person. If you can't connect with the person, if the person isn't open to listening, if the person doesn't actually want your help, then you are not helping the dog. I want to put something into perspective around the people who don't believe that there are enough of their niche clients out there to work with. This is another reason I fucking love blended programs as a dog training business setup. Um, because when you learn how to put together blended programs, you have the option of working with people who are outside of your local area. You are no longer just limited to people who live in your town or city. So for those of you who live in a town or city that is completely backwards as far as dog training goes, and there's lots of those out there, you don't need to try to be finding your one diamond in the rough amongst all those people. You are able to work at a much larger level, a national level, an international level if you want to. And let me ask you this. Do you think, so what, 8 billion people on the planet, let's just say half of them have dogs. 4 billion people on the planet. Do you think you could find 30 people a year out of 4 billion on the planet who meet the criteria of what you need to have in a client too? If you don't really understand niche and you need some more help with that one, getting a business coach who understands niche, you know, whether it's someone in the industry, I mean, obviously I'm going to say, hey, hire me as long as you're my niche client. But Work with someone who understands niche and can help you really dig down into those nitty gritty details and figure out who your person is and then figure out where they are so you can market to them. If you are in a place of fear of not enough, like, oh God, there's not gonna be enough money. There's not gonna be enough clients. There's, I, you know, I'm scared of conflict. Hiring a coach, again, can be helpful. The conflict piece, um, you may also wanna look at hiring a therapist for that as well. You may have noticed that I think it's really important for everybody to see a therapist. If you're in that not knowing how to say no piece, I got a couple of tips for you on that. First, remind yourself that you're allowed to say no. If you've never worked with niche clients before and you've just said yes to everybody, it can feel a little weird to start saying no to people. And a lot of the conditioning that we get in this world as women is that we're not allowed to say no. We have to say yes to everything and keep everybody happy and burn ourselves to the ground doing so. So 
Here's your permission. Fuck that shit. You are allowed to say no. And it's also really important to recognize that saying no up front is kinder and more helpful and more beneficial for everyone involved. It's kinder for the dog. It's kinder for the human client and it's kinder for you. So if you're worried about saying no because you don't want there to be conflict or you don't want to hurt people's feelings or it's, you feel like it's going to be unkind, it is way kinder and more ethical to say no to a client who doesn't align with your ethics and with the way that you work and being able to get results than it is to take their money knowing that there's a pretty good chance it's not going to end up with them getting the results that they're looking for. If you're going to say no, when you're going to say no, make it about your services and not about them. So instead of, nah, you're not my niche and I don't want to work with a jackass like you. Now, I'm not saying you can't say that. I mean, you're welcome to say that if you like. But instead of saying that, make it about your services. So something along the lines of, cool, I'm so glad that you gave me all that information about what you're looking for. As it stands right now, Nothing I have, none of the programs or services I have are going to be able to give you what you're looking for. And I don't want to waste your money or your time by taking you on board when I know I'm not going to be able to get you where you want to go. Then the next step to that, if it's just a niche thing and it feels okay to refer them out, then you're going to follow that up with, but let me refer you to such and such a person. I think what they offer may be able to help you. If they're a complete jackass, you don't want to be referring out, right? We don't want to be like pass the shitty client along to the next person who now has to deal with them. So if they're a complete jackass and you're just like, actually, no, I don't even want to refer you to anybody else, then provide them free resources. So, you know, what I have to offer isn't what you're looking for and I don't want to waste your time or money by, you know, taking you on when I, when I know I'm not going to be able to give you what you're looking for. But I'm going to send you uh, a couple of websites that you can read up about, you know, the behavior problem that you or a couple of blogs that have some tips for you or a couple of, uh, you know, a website that has some other trainers that you can potentially follow up with as well. So that way you are able to reject them with kindness and and turn them away with kindness so that it doesn't become a ooh we're just not a good fit because saying to someone yeah we're not a good fit can be conflict causing can be um taken the wrong way so making it about what you have to offer and then offering an alternative means that we're able to deflect the client with kindness and compassion and not end up saying yes when we mean no. Okay, so what I'm going to be talking about in the next episode is I'm going to be giving you some basic tips and tricks of things to do to get started implementing all of these changes that I've been talking about in uh, the last few episodes and this one. So I'll be talking a little bit more about some things around niche in there too. So stay tuned for that one. And as always, I want to just leave you with the reminder that you can't help anyone if you can't stay in business. If you're not operating a business that is sustainable and solid and scalable, you're not helping anybody. If you burn out and have to leave the industry, you're not helping anybody. And knowing who your niche is and how to find them and how to have conversations that mean you only end up working with niche clients, that's a really fucking vital part of this. 
So if you want to be able to help more people and more dogs and make the difference in the world that I know you want to make, niche is a really, really vital part of that. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to leave a review, hit subscribe, and share. Links to all the ways that you can stay connected and updated about this podcast and my programs are in the show notes. See you next time.